Welcome to the Unsupervised Learning Podcast. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this episode is an essay about immortality and how to achieve it. The title is Five Increasingly Effective Ways to Achieve Immortality, and I'll read it for you now. I think a lot about how to become immortal, more than I should probably. Many think it's a waste of time. Everyone dies, and it's foolish to think we could somehow avoid it. This piece takes a different view and describes a number of ways with varying levels of requirement and effectiveness. One can either avoid dying or can live on after death. So these basically go from most practical to most effective. So the first way, number one, is to live on through your children. This one is cheating a bit, I think, because you're not actually become a, becoming immortal. The, so even though you're not actually becoming immortal, you're not actually living on, uh, the fact remains that it does give many people, probably billions of people, a genuine feeling of lastingness. They, they feel that they're living on even after they're dead, and, and that's significant. So I don't really count it because it's an extremely tenuous way of, of living on. But it deserves mention because, first of all, it's the most common way. It's a, it's a way that people are already using and have been uh, using for thousands of years. So uh, it's definitely wor worth mentioning and I put it as number one because you are actually dying. So it's not really immortality. But it's the closest thing we have right now. Um, or one of the closest. So number two is living on through your works. So this one's kind of like the first in that you're not actually getting to continue on living. So it's also a misnomer in the sense that it's not true immortality. Um, what it deals with, however, can also provide a significant sense of contentment um, at, the end of, at the end of your life. So basically, you leave behind works and ideas that will be used by lots of different people uh, for a significant period of time, and you can think of this as living on. Um, so it'll take some sting off of dying, maybe, but not much, because ultimately you're still dead. So the third method is reconstruction through reproduction of variables. So this is where we start to really enter into true immortality um, or survivability, however you want to look at it. So this one works like this. Either before you die or after you are dead, an organization basically collects a series of inputs about you and uses them to create a working model of you. So here are the, some of the input types. First, your DNA. Basically, they're going to have a full, full genome on you, right? Number two is everything there is to know about where you grew up, uh, what was happening in the world then, where you went to high school, what the major news events were, major themes in culture and art and everything. And that's all brought in as a model. <clears throat> everything there is to know about the people you grew up with all your personal transformational experiences. So that's like, you know, 
the times you got in a fight, the first girl you kissed, like a big car accident you had, like losing a friend, you know, doing an overseas trip, um, seeing someone die, transformational life experiences. <clears throat> and this can be gathered from a myriad of different sources, but your own descriptions of these incidents will be key. Um, it could come from interviews with people who know you. So if you're already dead, for example, uh, with people who know those experiences that you had and how they affected you. Number five is, in, in this list, number five, every piece of output you left behind. So, you know, blog posts, Facebook posts, books, essays, schoolwork, letters, videos, whatever. They're all harvested for evidence of who you are. So basically the system takes the environment data, the models of like your life, all these various experiences and runs them against your genome and basically models out how someone with that genome in that environment with those experiences would turn out, right? So the output is a digital life form that as much as it can be, it's actually you. And so you now, you know, your natural form has been dead, but at some point your digital form kind of wakes up uh, in cyberspace somewhere. And you're basically introduced to the fact that you were reconstructed using this method and that you have this rich history. This, these are your memories. Um, this is your history. This is your background. And you are you. All right. <clears throat> so method number four, preserving your brain to be put in another body in the future. So another method for achieving comfort that you'll continue to live after death is to have a, a reliable way to preserve your brain once you pass with the belief that it'll either be one, put into another body, not my favorite choice, or two, it'll be downloaded into a digital form to live permanently in cyberspace, which I hate the word cyberspace, by the way, but seems like the best word. So I much prefer the second option because transferring to another body seems like you're just postponing the inevitable. Um, it also seems really hard for some reason, but maybe it's not nearly as hard as doing a digital transfer. And that's number five, and I, I think the most powerful and, and best option, which is complete mind or brain transfer to digital form. So this is the best and most realistic answer for immortality. Um, it's taking your essence and making it permanent in digital form. So for anyone living today, it's not likely to happen in your current form. Like you're not going to just hook up to a machine while you're alive and transfer out your brain and mind into digital form. I, I think we're too far away from that. So this method basically needs to be combined with the earlier form, the fourth option of preserving the brain at the time of your death so that it can be downloaded at a later time. So this will require significantly more technology and understanding the brain, which are kind of the same thing. But with proper storage techniques, we can hopefully keep the brain in a state 
uh, in a state that can be extracted from later on. So let's do some analysis on, on these options. So the most important component of all these methods for people living today is the comfort that these options grant you as your first current form, your natural form, is dying. How much will you believe you are going to live on in this new form? The degree to which you believe this is the degree to which you'll be comforted by knowing it will happen. So if you think you'll be represented perfectly through whatever method, then you're not really dying at all. It's more actually like you're going to sleep. And this is a really important point, this, this sleep point. Um, don't you basically die when you go to sleep? It's well understood that our minds are constantly changing. We're constantly forgetting and remembering and learning things. Many respects, we're not even the same person from moment to moment. Our cells are dying, they're being regenerated. We're forgetting things, we're remembering things. Our memories are being altered as we remember them and recall them. It's, it's freaky stuff when you, when you read more about it. Um, so day to day, year to year, we're changing. And going to sleep is a big part of this because it's where memories are retired, adjusted, or otherwise modified. And what we are um, is really determined by those memories. In fact, what are we if we are not our memories? So if we were to drink the poison at the end of our natural life, but believing you just wake up again at some point and still be you mostly, just like you do when you believe you'll wake up tomorrow after going to sleep, that'd be a pretty comforting way to think about dying or a pretty comforting thought to have before you die. But if you believe that you'll be dead and that the ideas in your book or whatever will live on or that you'll live on through your kids, that doesn't seem all that comforting. I mean, you still really feel like you're dying because you are. And there's not going to be anything like you that lives on in the future. And that's, that's what I would define as dying. So then I come on to this other idea called granting immortality to the dying. So I think one of the best possible gifts a young person or a younger person could give a dying person who fears death is a personal guarantee that they will do all they can to resurrect them in the future. Sounds a little bit strange, but basically, I mean, they could be saving their brain or maybe they don't have the money to do that, uh, but they can save their DNA, right? They can get a, a uh, piece of hair off of a hairbrush or whatever, or whatever you need to map a full genome. Won't be difficult. And they can gather every piece of work that they've ever done. And they could also write extensively about the, the time that they spent with this person, the conversations they've had. Um, basically, the, the, the older dying person could do a brain dump. They could tell them all their most transformational experiences. They could tell them all the stuff that they're ashamed of and proud of and 
all the all the people that they've loved and people they've cared about, they could basically do a brain dump. And let's say they have months to live or years to live or even days to live. You could do a pretty significant dump in this way, plus any other body of work that you have that you're leaving behind. And basically capture that all up. Um, and, the, and the dying person can review that content and basically give it a nod, bless it, before their natural form dies off. And the more they believe the person left behind who's giving them this promise, the more they trust them, the more they can view their final moments of consciousness as simply a time before sleep. So to summarize, uh, there are many different ways to live on after natural death. Some are figurative and others are far more tangible albeit a bit theoretical at the present moment. The human fear of death is one of the most powerful and enduring forces in the world. And I have no doubt that the methods described here, especially the more technological ones, will become one of the primary uses of advanced technology in the decades to come. 